You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a Survivor Winners at War recap episode as we have just finished another interesting, exciting, and great episode of the 40th season of Survivor. As we do every week, well, most weeks, we did miss a few weeks there, but hey, most weeks, we're here to recap it with a former Survivor contestant, and, oh, (laughs) hang on, I've just been handed a note, oh, okay, with a future Survivor contestant uh, this week, and... Why did that joke fall flat? That was funny on paper. Um, we, we didn't get anyone this week, people, so why not just bring in a guy who you hear every single week? Because I actually haven't been on an episode talking about Survivor with him since we ranked the seasons at the beginning of this year. I just remembered we did that episode. Um, Collins. But I don't need to introduce Colin. He's a co-host of the show. Um, my name yeah, is... hear me. My name is Ben. Uh, what? Colin? Say something. Well, um, my 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 name is Colin. Um, <laughs> uh, I I was gonna say when you introduced former Survivor contestant, I was this close to introducing myself as, and I'm John Carroll. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> and I'm Nina Persh. And <laughs> I'm Daniel Liu. <laughs> hey, this is Dan Liu. Um, <laughs> bugger it. My name is Ben, and joining us this week is Daniel Liu. <laughs> Dan, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. It's been a long time, Ben. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so great to hear your voice. Um, we, we, are, we are thrilled to be back, um, considering what Colin and I just recapped on another show. Um, it's good to talk about something different. Um, <laughs> considering but, what we just recapped, yes. <laughs> but um, Survivor Winners at War, Colin Hilding, I, I haven't heard your thoughts on this, I don't think. Oh, we kind of talked about it once, maybe. Um <laughs> Time. Yeah, we don't talk outside of the show. People know that. <laughs> uh, so, so I mean, what what are you thinking of Survivor Winners at War? Eleven episodes in. I, I mean, it's the most purely enjoyable Survivor season I've seen in a long time, which I think you you kind of expect knowing it's an all winners season. And I think the the fact that there are so many twists and everything. I mean, it, maybe it rubs some people the wrong way, but I mean, I don't really view this as a Survivor. I keep thinking to myself throughout the season, you know, would I rank this as, you know, my favorite Survivor season, top five season, whatever? I don't think I rank this as a Survivor season. I think to me, this is almost like, you know, the all-star Avengers version. It would be like, you know, what's your favorite Marvel movie? I mean, I mean, I could be honest and say that the Avengers movies are not my favorite Marvel movies, but let's just play along with, say, you wouldn't say the Avengers, you know, in comparison to something like Thor the Dark World, <laughs> which would be the South Pacific, you know, and then um, uh, the Incredible Hulk or Captain America or whatever, you know, you have your movies and then you have the super movie. And to me, like this season is like the super season. So the fact that you have all these different twists and Edge Extinction, which I normally don't like and uh, the advantages and everything, it, it, to me, it just feels like this is something bigger and I'm never really going to feel like I end this season comparing it to the rest of Survivor. It's just it's it's great to have a sort of one off thing that is not part of the rest of the series. It's just its own thing. I've seen a lot of people say things like that, that they're like, I don't consider this a season. It's like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. And I mean, I can definitely see that point, but I, I still am thoroughly enjoying this season enough that I think that oh, 
I would still consider it around there. I mean, there's just a few weird things. I mean, many weird things about this season that do kind of make it stand out. I mean, can we just point out, I don't think many people have really talked about the fact that we have no cast photo for this season. Like, Mm -hmm. no official cast photo. That really annoys me. People are talking about, oh, we won't have an official introduction because CBS have said that. Okay, that's slightly annoying. But, we like, no cast photo? We've just got them standing on a beach holding champagne glasses. You know how that is to make a graphic each week, people, for these podcasts, you know? But um, Is it it because Richard Hatch was in the cast photo (laughs) and then five minutes later they sent him on a boat packing? They did that with Melissa McNulty, but they just photoshopped her out. So, um, yeah, but... I don't know, like, it's something that I just haven't been thinking about. Like, oh, how would you rank this season? Because I think the problem I've had with a lot of modern Survivor is that whenever a season starts off good, it kind of goes down the gurgler pretty quickly. Um, And, again, we struggled a lot to really come up with when was the last good season of Survivor when we went through that on our rankings. But I think the one thing that I really enjoy about this is that this brings me back to Heroes vs. Villains where kind of I'm, I'm hooked every week. I'm I'm literally so nervous every single week for each vote out. Um, and, I mean, I had a bit of that during Cambodia. But, yeah, I don't think I've had that feeling since Heroes vs. Villains. So that's what I really appreciate about this. But I also think, like, now the way the game is sort of ramping up, I think we've got a pretty decent final eight, um, particularly after who got voted out this week. So, um <laughs> Yeah, like it's kind of like it sucks that some of my, well, mine and yours and everyone's favourites are gone, but I don't know. Like, I think we've got a solid final eight. Like, I don't think there's anyone left. Obviously, I have my preferences of who I'd like to win, but I don't know if there's anyone left that I would say I would walk away going, ah, they won, if you know what I mean. Well, I mean, I think this entire season, I'd be okay with anybody who did win. Uh, The fact that they've done a decent job with, some of the people whose wins were, I guess, considered questionable, you know, uh, like Adam and well, I guess the big four would be Adam, Nick, Sophie and Michelle ones where, well, OK, well, you know, they won. So what? They've actually made a way to address that on the show and build them much bigger as characters. I still feel like Sophie was never built as a character. She's easily the least interesting winner I think we've ever had. And, and she didn't bring any entertainment to the season. But we saw her brains at work, you know, and obviously this week, it's the whole reason she went home. But the fact that we got something out of a lot of these minor winners and and other ones that, you know, maybe it's not that their legacies improved. Like I don't think people are looking at Ben saying, oh, he's he's a genius winner. But now they can look at him and say he really is a brilliant character, whether you like, you know, his win or not. It's helping so that you're going to be happy with whoever wins the season. Maybe if we had Tyson win for a third time, I would have been upset just because (laughs) I find Tyson to be so much more of just a character and not a player. Uh, But I don't think there's any way to be unhappy, especially when you do have an all-winner season and everybody did bring their A-game. That's a great point. And I know Earl talked a little bit a couple of weeks ago about how he doesn't really believe that this is going to affect a legacy because, you know, he separates mm-hmm. each win as a, you know, the season. And I can definitely see that point. And, you know, we talked at length in the lead up to this season about legacies and things like that. And it was always going to be a tricky season because as you said, you know, there's these winners who are maybe considered not to be great winners. And then you've got these, you know, all time greats who are out there and doing this. And, 
you've had so many different layers to stories around this. I mean, look at Sandra kind of getting blasted on social media, people calling her a quitter because she left, you know, Edge of Extinction. And mm-hmm. then you look at someone like Wendell who kind of gets a villainous edit. You know, Adam looks a bit dopey his season as well. And it's kind of, it's, it's strange to see this. And it's just so strange, I think, with Sophie this week. And I, I, I feel like, let's get her out of the way. Um, now, <laughs> I, I don't want to... Because the rest of the people on the island did. Yeah. Like, I... Uh, I know everyone knows that I'm not a Sophie fan. Never been a Sophie fan, and I, I consider her the second worst winner of all time because you know. Sorry, Chris, I did tell you on your episode that I considered you to be the worst winner of all time, but there was a reason behind that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and look again, that's my my opinion. I I don't know Sophie. I've never met her. I think I've exchanged a couple of messages with her, and you know, I can understand why she probably doesn't never wanted to do an interview with me. I've not exactly been nice to her, but. The thing that I, I find fascinating about her getting voted out is the level of defense that people have come out at her on social media. Now, I, I will say this right now. She played a, a pretty decent game this season, and I thought for sure she was in a good spot to win. And I I was thinking each week, like, wow, she's getting a pretty good edit. She's she's doing okay. Um, and I think she's, you know, in a very good position to win. And this is one thing I'll say quickly now about this season, which I think has done very well. It's it's definitely pulled the wool over your eyes with it. winners' edits this season. It really has. Mm-hmm. So like it's kind of we'll talk about that when it comes to Tony and others shortly. But I my thing is it's kind of like I don't feel that if people have already always thought that Sophie was a great winner and she drops one line, like I don't see why people have to defend it so much. If that makes sense, like I don't, like I feel Sophie was a winner that kind of always had her fans, but then kind of just was one of those ones that people kind of ranked around the middle and you got a very vocal fans. But now all of a sudden we've got like this huge string of like, Sophie's one of the all time greats. She's proved it this season and blah, 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 blah. And it just, it feels odd to me that you've got to be too defensive of a person's game. Now I'm not here to try and say to everyone, Sophie's terrible. Don't defend her. Each to your own. If you think Sophie played a great game, if you think she's one of the all time greats, that's your opinion. I don't agree with that opinion. I think it's a silly opinion, but hey, that's your opinion. You're thinking my opinion is silly. I just find it strange that so many people are defending her as a survivor player and a winner based on one line that she's dropped and based on limited evidence. I I mean, I didn't see people doing that with Adam. I didn't see people doing that with, you know, I mean, we didn't really see Amber and Danny, did we? And we're still not seeing them, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. Am I making any sense with this at all? Um, no. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, no, you you are, I, to a certain degree, I, I actually, I agree and disagree on, on a few levels. Uh, one, they're really, it's been the last couple of years. It feels like there's a very vocal survivor group out there, group of fans out there that want to attach themselves to the least represented people. So they will dissect everything they can. And, you know, honestly, I can dissect Dan Liu's game in Amazon and tell you that it was brilliant. You can make a case for anything like that. But we're watching such a small representation of it that it ultimately comes down to that. If you find one thing, you're going to make a case for that. And it feels like it was very similar with Michelle. You know, she said the same thing throughout the course of the season. You know, I, I feel like I have to defend my win because I'm not looked at as a great winner. And during her season, I spent a lot of time I guess, during the finale and after the season, it was even over saying, I just don't get that they presented her as a good winner. I wasn't, I never doubted her gameplay, her strategy, or what got her the win. I'm like, they didn't present her as 
a big enough winner on the show. And and I think it's very similar to somebody like Sophie that because she was originally on a season where the screen time was dominated by, you know, the, the returning players, uh, the same thing happened to Natalie White, you know, uh, that you end up getting minimalized through the editing, which makes you appear like a worse winner. I believe that if they wanted to go back and re-edit all the same footage of South Pacific, they could show Sophie as being a brilliant mastermind. Because I don't think anybody wins Survivor outside of Fabio. I don't think anybody wins Survivor without being a real mastermind. But it's these seasons where they don't present it that way, where it they maybe they want it to be a surprise for the audience. Maybe they just didn't get what they needed to out of that person as a character. So they figured let's focus on what's going to bring in ratings, which is a valid strategy. You know Um, what you end up with though, is a group that will assume that because maybe they heard podcast interview. I I could easily fall into this too, because you know, the interview you did with Danny, I've said for years, convinced me that Danny was one of the smartest people to ever win the game. And I never would have thought that before. And I'm sure there's other people out there who heard your interview with Danny and said the exact same thing. But now it feels like because you get these people like Michelle and Sophie that once they hear these people explain their games, they're like, oh, they're a brilliant winner, that they almost go into a season just looking to defend the most minimalized player. And and if a person like that wins, they're like, well, they had to be brilliant. It's like there's no love anymore for the big characters to win. We saw with, with Devins in his season, with Ben when he won. His win was so minimalized and people decided to pick on one twist and claim the thing was rigged and not look at this season as a whole because I can dissect Ben's game and tell you how brilliant it was. And I will hold that up against anybody who dissects Sophie's game. I'm not saying that Sophie didn't play a great game. I think she had to have been brilliant if she won her first season and got this far this time. But it's all about how you choose to read and edit. And just people are so drawn to defending these smaller players now that it's almost getting a little bit annoying. And I completely understand everything you're saying and agree. I think that I've always said about Sophie's win that she's the one win that I really, on re-watching it and knowing she wins and focusing on her, I just I just can't understand it. And again, that's not my fault. It's the fault of the editors for betraying Sophie yeah. that way. I wasn't out there. I didn't play it. And I've heard players who are on her say that Albert, the other day, tweeted a lot of stuff defending Sophie, and Albert played with Sophie. You know, Coach has said things about, like, other people have said it, and again, that's probably where you're going to get more of your information from a lot of that, because again, they're out there and they're not seeing an edit. But again, I have to base my opinion on that, and I, you know, you mentioned the Danny interview, and people know I've always been a big defender of Danny's win, and put her in my top 10 based on again what she told me i i i've never listened to a sophie interview i've i've never gone out of my way really to to really read so much more outside of the game as you were saying and maybe if i did that would change my perspective and and again i don't hate on sophie just because i don't dislike her or anything like that we've all got our winners who we don't like like you just mentioned fabio fair enough you don't he's your worst winner right like i think i remember that from uh, yeah. rankings yeah and that that's fine that's your opinion and you've got your reasons for thinking that I don't rank Fabio that low. I've got reasons for ranking him high. We all have it. Beauty of Survivor. And, like, it's it's, it's a tricky thing, though, to just... I, like, as you said, so many people jump on this sort of bandwagon of let's defend it. And, again, that's great. Like, give the little guy a bit of, you know, attention. Um, you know, I do it a bit with Fabio. I've done it with Danny. Not a lot of people, I think, defend Danny's win and all these sort of things. We've all mm-hmm. got our reasons to do it. But I'm just expressing my thought process on this because, uh, again... 
so I've only seen positive things about Sophie's exit, uh, and I'm not trying to be the one negative Nelly. This is nothing against Sophie. I'm admitting it. I was so thrilled at the vote out this week. I'm just saying that right now because I don't like being wrong. I'm not saying that I'm right in Sophie's play. That's what I'm saying. But the whole season, I constantly said, if if Sophie wins and proves me wrong, I'm fine with that. I will sit here at the end of the season. I was wrong about Sophie. I don't have to say that anymore, so that's why I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on. She can and, still I mean, come I'm, back, I guess, but I've just jinxed myself. Yeah, any of you can. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad if anybody defends a win. And, uh, and I'm not saying, you know, don't defend a winner. If, if you've heard them explain their win and it gives you a new appreciation, that's great. But we should have the same appreciation for all winners, you know? Why is it that Chris Underwood is dumped on and Sophie's defended? Why is it Natalie White is dumped on and you know uh, Danny's defended? And I'm not I'm not knocking Danny, Sophie, Chris, or Natalie. I'm just saying when's the point where people are just going to understand that if you won the game, you were incredible. And yeah. and Ben does not. Ben was a major character. It's just it's this weird you know new trend where you have to hate on the bigger characters on the season. But those are the characters that are making us watch. If you had, this is no knocking and Sophie's a player. I was so impressed with Sophie's game that I started to think that she could win this. But in a way, I was disappointed because she was not an exciting character to me. And if there's other people out there who found her exciting, great. I think Sarah is the most exciting character on this season. I think Tony is an incredibly exciting character. I think Sophie, if I watch just Sophie and players like Sophie for a whole season, I would have tuned out weeks ago. And that's just a personal preference, maybe, or maybe it's just she's not a big personality, but that's taking nothing away from her win. Yeah. But I'm with you. Like, I I, I was glad, even though she was playing a fantastic game, because it means we're going to have a more entertaining season. And because this is an all-winner season, I, I could care less about who wins. This whole season has proved nothing other than the fact that it's like, you can win one time, you're that's never going to guarantee a second time. And if you win an all-winner season... You could play against all newbies next time and be the first one to go. Every season is its own thing. There's no advantage. I mean, there's definitely advantages to having played before, you know, versus not playing before. But there's no advantage by winning twice. Sandra proved that. You know, she played a decent game this time, but she's lost just as much as she won. Boston Rob, you know, same thing. He's he's a much bigger loser than he is a winner. Hmm. This is no knock against him. Every season's gonna be completely different. It is almost a crapshoot. So. It's not like we're going to finish this season and say that is the greatest player of all time. You know, when we ranked the greatest players, we ranked Sandra as number one because she did pull off what at the time was impossible. This season seems to me to be something different. Whoever wins this season is going to be the great – this is similar to what I said at the beginning. They're going to be the great winner of Winners at War. I'm not going to look at them and say they are the all-time greatest survivor. This is just its own season. It's it's interesting you say that because I mean not that I have well, not that I have thirty four hours of my life to spare but I mean it would be <laughs> fascinating to one day if we're still in lockdown for the next however many years to to do this rankings again years. after this season um, because yeah it would it would mm. be different but yeah I think like you summed it up and I think every season is its own season you win your own season and yeah like again I might not appreciate Sophie's win. And I might not understand it. Again, I'm dumb, people. Don't ever take my opinion for gospel because I don't understand things, apparently. But, again, that's just my personal preference on their win. I know plenty of people who rank Sophie's win highly because that's the type of win they respect. 
or they yeah. they appreciate more. Like obviously Brian's my number one, but I know a lot of people who don't appreciate Brian's win. They think it's overrated. They think, oh, he nearly lost to Clay, so that makes him a bad winner. Fine, that's that's that's, that's the same boat I'm in with Vesepi. I think Vesepi is a top ten winner easily, but most people are like, nah. Yeah, well, I, I I'm I'm a Vesepi fan too, and I definitely appreciate it. But again. Little things change your perspective. If if you are a, a fan who's seen these seasons once and you rate it based on what you've seen, you're going to rate it differently to Colin and myself who waste our lives listening to interviews, interviewing players and doing all these sort of things because we get a different perspective of things yeah. by speaking to them. So there's no right or wrong answer. I'm, I'm sounding so diplomatic here, but <laughs> <laughs> I just I wanted to come out here and express an opinion on Sophie because I feel like I am Sophie's number one you know, anti-fan in the entire world. I, I never hear anyone else speaking out against Sophie. Sophie, you'll never listen to this, but if somebody passes on the message, it's, again, nothing personal. You seem like a very nice person. You actually it did impress me for a lot of your game this time around. I was very pleasantly surprised at some of the stuff you're saying. But, yeah, that's just my opinion expressed. And, hey, send me all the hate because I'm yeah. used to it. And I don't, I don't even know if we have anything else to add on, Sophie, but just to kind of add on that, she clearly was playing a great game because she was the target. And I think it was the smarter move to get rid of her than to get rid of somebody like Jeremy or Tony or whatever, because Jeremy, Tony, Sarah, they're going to be targets later on. The reason Sophie was targeted this week is she was playing so well under the radar that she was going to get to the end and she's good at defending herself. She's good at speaking, but she does it so seldom mm-hmm. that it's not obvious to people. Now that is playing a brilliant game, but when you're on an all winter season, her fatal flaw was exactly what got her this far. You're not going to have everybody have the wool pulled over their eyes. The winners, all winners are going to clue in at some point and be like, she's very quiet, but when she speaks, she's very smart. We know that she could win this game. Anybody here can win this game. Let's get rid of her because I don't have to, Jeremy uh, mentioned this episode about Tyson being the shield, you know, I don't have to worry about a Jeremy or a Tony or a Sarah because they've been at least thought of every single week. Who's brought up Sophie at this point? Can Sophie win? Yes. Has she been brought up before now? No. Okay, take the opportunity to get rid of her now. And this is what I really am appreciating about this season because I think you, me, a lot of people are predicting a, a Sophie, a Michelle, someone like that's going to win who's kind of that unassuming winner who's not going to be targeted. But the fact that these people are getting targeted because these are winners, they're smart players, they've been here before, they understand this. And we've, you know, we saw that in like All Stars and Heroes vs. Villains and any returning player season that a lot of the time it is that unassuming person who's going to win because people aren't, and that's generally what happens. I mean, Amber won, Sandra won, Jeremy's maybe the only exception, but he didn't exactly play a hugely out there game in Cambodia. And you would even argue Sarah was doing a lot of her stuff behind the scenes and people didn't know about it and she was kind of unassuming going into that. So it's kind of. You know, it's it's it, we've got a good balance, I feel, of our final eight here. That you do have your over-the-top, out-there, big players. You've got your sort of middle players, and you've got your real behind-the-scenes, under-assuming ones. So mm-hmm. I think it's kind of... We've got a very good balance here. And I think that's where I say, like, there's really no one here that I would be upset about winning. Again, I've got my preferences. Mm-hmm. I could easily rank these from one to eight of who I'd like to see win and who would be my least likely to win that I would I would personally like. But... If they still won, I'm going to be like, okay, well, you know, that that's that's interesting. You know, it's it's something yeah. a little bit unique. And, and ultimately, there, there are at least three people that I think have zero chance of winning. Zero chance of winning shall, the game. Shall we all say it together here? Like, is this kind of our, like, the stepbrothers moment? Or do you, like, I, I, I did this the other <laughs> well, day with Mallory. I, I, I loved my categories. Gonna... 
Yeah, I, I doubt you're going to agree with at least. Well, maybe you will agree, but give me I, a three. I, you're probably not going to. My three who I think have no chance at winning this are Michelle, Ben, and Kim. I thought you were going to say Kim while you were there. I, I, my, my, see, my, I've got two in that bottom. I've got Nick and Ben cannot win this game. Um, maybe I'd put – no, you know what? I, I was going to say maybe I'd put Nick in there, but no, I, I think that Nick still has a shot. Um, I'm reading but, the edit a lot more, and Nick has had a woeful edit. Well, I, I think um, Ben is a clear one. You know? <laughs> yeah, Ben, ben and uh, Nick are the, based on the edit and everything around it. But yeah. But my argument would be the same for Michelle and Kim because there have been way too many times where they're out of the loop or they're making moves. Like just Kim's move last week, which seemed like a big moment for TV where she played the idol on Denise, was to me the most foolish move of the entire game. Why are you going to play the idol on the person that has already been targeted? Do, you, do they? Does she honestly believe that you know everybody else was going to target Denise and then target her again? Like it, it didn't make any sense, and it was a complete waste. Not because it didn't work, but just because it was the wrong move to make. You have to be thinking ahead. You have to be thinking against what other people are going to predict. And it was just it was a very one sided move. And there's been just way too many times throughout the season where Kim just is making the wrong moves and not big wrong moves, but wrong moves and out of the vote and on the wrong side of things and, and not stepping up when she should, you know, Michelle, I think is, is probably playing a slightly better game, but she's also just way too out of it. And I just, I don't see in an all winner season, them going out of their way to edit a person making as many mistakes as those three have made Ben, Kim and Michelle and then being the person to go on with Because I think for this season, they're going to want almost every fan to look at the season from beginning to end and say, that makes sense how that person won. I see it, but I don't. Like, Kim's in my middle bracket. I, I don't think Kim can win. But, like, Kim's in the lower middle bracket of she's starting to... Like, again, I'm probably reading the edit more so than the, the games itself because I think kind of it, it's... I, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, this season more than any, they're going to want to do this as a gameplay. But this is my thing with Survivor winners and who wins the game nowadays. Like, it's never that person who's, quote, playing the big moves all the time. It's kind of there's a middle ground there. So this is where I'm thinking I'm reading more of what the edit and what I'm seeing. So that's why I've got Kim kind of in the middle, but she's probably in the lower middle just because she got a terrible first part of the game when it came to the edit. She was sort of very, you know, behind the scenes in that. But I think the thing with Kim, though, is that they are ramping things up. I don't really agree with you that last week was a bad... I think it was just one of these moves that you've just got to kind of take a guess. And, I mean, Denise still got two votes, so it's not like no one got... Ever, and there was no way she could have known it was going to be Tyson. So, I mean, again... It's it's one of these 50-50 moves no. that on paper, yeah, I can see your perspective of it. I don't necessarily think it was a terrible move. She had to do something. She went for Denise. Well, it didn't work out. And here she is a week later going, me, okay, well. To me, because they Denise had already been you know, singled out once, that makes her the most obvious choice to not be the target. So it's not about whether or not you know, she would have known. I, I think I said that to multiple people in the last week. There's no way that anybody would predict they would go after Tyson. That shows how smart everybody else was in making Tyson the target. But it's just playing the most obvious choice on Denise, who to me seemed like that would be for anybody to for all newbie players who were poor players, they would target Denise. You know, anybody else would be like, we're not going to go for Denise. That's way too obvious. So you'd go for the opposite one. Well, she only had three options, though. She had a self Tyson or Denise, basically that she had to play it for. She had one of well, three. Why, why not play it first? How dumb would she have been if it had been? Because 
it would have been way smarter to play it on herself because then you're not going home. Jeremy made the right move last week. And that that was risky too. And obviously it cost them an extra vote or whatever. But Jeremy is like, I'm going to preserve myself in the game. And Sophie this week goes out, you know, with the idol in her pocket to not play it on yourself and to play it on somebody else and make the wrong choice, which should have been obvious as the wrong choice. I think that's what has me worn down on our game. I've never, and again, I'm not being critical. It's, yeah, I know what you're saying, it, though. There's a lot of overthinking. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, this is... I mean, I've never been one to be overly critical on people who don't play idols correctly. Or that Because, I mean, again, this is just a lot... It's chance, survivor's mm-hmm. luck, there's this, there's that, and everything else. Like, I'm not on the plane of, oh, James Clement is the dumbest player ever because he had two idols in the pocket. Okay, that's a bit different. Like, I mean, he was at a certain point of the game. I understand that. But again... You know, I can see why he didn't play it. The one thing I'll say about Kim, and again, I'm not... Obviously, I'm a Kim fan. I'm a bit biased. But at the same time, like, she's not playing the same game she played in One World. She's not all domineering. She's not as dominant. And this goes back into your perspective of each game's different. And she's adapting. Like, we had that in the very first episode of, I've never been on the bottom before. I'm having to shift my focus. I think Kim's playing a great middle game right now where she's kind of got herself in the middle. And this week, I think the fact that she was the one who called out Tony. Like, she's like, yeah, Tony's bullshitting us. Like, you know, and that the whole time when I'm seeing this with Tony, I'm thinking, like, oh, Kim, surely you're good enough to read this. And she was. But again, that's the edit. Not necessarily. It could have been Denise. It could have been someone else who said it. But we saw Kim's perspective of that because we know mm-hmm. a lot of the time in the past, other people have gotten credit for things that weren't them. So, but the thing that, um, one thing I'll say about kind of how things are shifting is that last week I was, we were trying to work out with Troyzan, like, you know, well, how all of a sudden is Kim on the bottom? And now Kim's back to sort of, being in the majority, but then it's sort of been flipped around. So this is the thing too with this game, is that so many alliances and everything are just shifting left, right, and center. It's it's very fluid. Um, and speaking of fluid, can we just talk about Tony? <laughs> oh. Like, I'll just say quickly before we get to Tony. So Matt, we're kind of on this topic while we're just. I remember. So we've got our bottom ones who we think we don't win. Slightly different. My, I'll just say. So my bottom two that I don't think are win can win are Ben and Nick. My ones that I think are in the box seat to win, based on what we're seeing, are Tony. I'm thinking Michelle can still win this game, funnily enough. And maybe Jeremy is kind of closely to the top. And then my middle ones, obviously, uh, Kim, Denise, Sarah. Uh, I've, I've gotten through everyone there, I think. Because um, I think the middle group kind of have a few negatives, like Sarah kind of had that little issue a week ago where I think Sarah was in a great position. Then all of a sudden it's like, well, she alienated people with that reward thing. Uh, Denise, you know, she's made a great move. She's kind of been targeted and everything. She's there and thereabouts, but her edits kind of dying a little bit at this moment. Um, And I've already gone over Kim. Whereas I think Tony, obvious one, who's in a big box seat right now to win. I think Michelle, again, is just solid enough edit. She's dropping a few winner's quotes here and there of the whole, like, oh, I want my win to be respected, you know, blah, 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 so I'm going to do what I can and all that sort of stuff going along with that. And Jeremy, again, he's getting a strong edit. He's doing moves. He's kind of surviving. It's kind of almost like an underdog thing. I can see Jeremy winning because I think Natalie could come back into the game and Natalie's going to work with Jeremy and kind of, you know, there's going to be that there. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on the middle and who could win? I, as I said, I'd put Nick in the middle, but he'd be low in the middle. Um, and my whole, I, I can actually see what you're saying with Michelle, but in any other season, I would see that. To, to me, the winner's quotes, as you're saying, I, I would 
look at being a perfect way if you go out fourth or whatever, or you go out fifth, you know, the one who's targeted right before the end, we just can't let them get there. And then she could just hang her hat on that. It's like, I got this far in it and nobody thought that I was playing the game. I don't think it would necessarily come down to her winning. And, and that all goes to my rationalization that if, if I was doing this, I wouldn't want to present the winner of their biggest season ever as having made that many mistakes. Uh, but I'm definitely a much bigger fan of hers. Like, you know, yeah. Rossi and I had pl- plenty of, uh, you know, arguments over Michelle because he was one of those people who was like, oh, oh, I saw, I saw how she he's, I saw how she was going to. Yeah, mish, 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 uh, <laughs> I saw how she was going to win the whole time. And I'm like, OK, if you did show it to me, but it doesn't change the fact that I don't think that's the best way to present a winner. Um, I think it's a great way to present her as a character. She's very wishy-washy, which I actually like. In in a weird way, I like the um, the hot mess of Michelle yeah. <laughs> more than a collected winner. Uh, and I, I'll say the same thing for Adam. Adam, I'm walking out of this season as Adam's number one fan. <laughs> and yet he was terrible for the most part. And that made me love him. And it's the same thing with Michelle. Uh, but I don't see her winning. But Nick... I put him on the bottom end of the middle section. Denise is going to be in my middle section because how big her move was made uh, against Sandra and that people keep bringing it up. Yeah, you could say, well, you know, that's what's going to win her the game. Or you could say that's what she it keeps being brought up because everybody's remembering this is the biggest move. If you have that resume and they keep mentioning resumes at Tribal Council, if you have that resume at the end, you're not going to beat uh, Denise or there's no way to beat a resume like Denise's. So she's going to be targeted and I don't think there's any way she's going to get out of it. Um, uh, who else do we have? We have Jeremy, Sarah, Tony. Um, and uh, you mentioned everyone else, I think. Yep. Is that everybody? Okay. So um, my my top three would be Jeremy, Sarah, Sarah and Tony. Uh, Jeremy, I would love for him to win because like he, he's playing the way I like winners to play. You know, he's thinking one step ahead. He's making decisions, but he's like an, he would be an editor's dream. Yeah. He makes his decisions in the most dramatic way without letting on too much. So he'll give you just enough so that it comes as a surprise when he does, you know, walk out of tribal or whatever it is. Um, But he still has been a target for so much of this game that he might not make it to the end. To me, the dream ending is Tony versus Sarah. And I think the reason they're my top two to win, not just because I think they're the most entertaining characters to watch, because there's been such a, a decision made throughout this season to... They were at odds before, you know, he he burned her, whatever. The Cops Are Us thing was done. Now Cops Are Us is reformed. And then this week, especially this week, th- they had so much of that Sarah's fashion show versus, you know, <laughs> Tony and th- that they're trying to draw a line between them. But I don't think it's going to come to a line of them turning on each other. It, it almost felt to me more like Sarah was setting up a final two right there, because this season, my guess is we're probably going to get a final two um, and there'd be no better way to actually show that than to intro the episode with her saying or intro the segment with her saying, you know, Tony and I are coming about this from two completely different you know, areas or two completely different strategies. And how incredible would a final two be where you've had that set up throughout the course of the season of we're working together, we're trusting each other again, we have a history, but now we're working together, but we are very different. And then that leads to just the greatest final tribal council ever. Now, if this was a scripted show, I think that's the greatest way to go. But of course, you never know. It's reality TV. But they'd be my top two. Great. I'd love to see that. And I haven't really thought about it being a final two. That's interesting. Um, But 
Yeah, absolutely agree with you. And I think that the one thing I'll say when you were talking about sort of legacies and things like that, and you know, you can't really add this greatest player of all time and that. I, I think that realistically, with six of these people, if they win, they would vault so much higher up on my overall rankings of all players. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that there is maybe, gosh, if Tony wins this season, I'm telling you now, I very might might be rethinking my top three players of all time. <laughs> maybe yeah. like just maybe even my top player of all time because this is mm-hmm. this is the beauty of Tony. Um, we we talked about this at length in Kagayan that he shouldn't win because players yeah. like that don't win. So the fact that he went out in game changes, all but admitted, I knew I wasn't gonna go far, so I just went out crazy and he went out second. He Richard hatched it. He Richard hatched it, and he's admitted yeah. to that. Third time around, he's kind of started off with a bit of, you know, like, oh, fuck, maybe I should calm things down. And now he's kind of turning it up to Kagayan levels of 11 again, and it's working. Uh, it's just at the right time. And it's and it's like gold. Like, this is the beauty of Tony, is that, like, going back to our conversation, we're like, yeah, you've got someone like Sophie and that who maybe aren't the most entertaining player, but they play in their own way and they win in their own way. Tony's got that level of entertainment, amazingness. Like, he covers all the bases, I feel, of Survivor. You know, he's got the big moves locked in that a lot of modern fans like. He's got the social game. He's got the entertainment factor. Like, Tony is Survivor gold if anyone who's an australian survivor fan knows what i'm talking about when i talk about david um spoiler alert if you've not seen the most recent season of australian survivor all stars cover your ears colin our winner of all stars like he's again he's he's australia's tony he shouldn't win he's so goddamn entertaining and amazing he pulls off big moves but he's he's got a great social game that people don't want to get rid of him and he's very charismatic like he ticks all the boxes and this is where if tony wins his game he might be the greatest player of all time like it's just there's something about him. And um, a lot of questions I've got this week and a few other comments as well that people are saying this might be the single greatest episode from a player ever just covering all the levels yeah. of what he did. And again, we're saying all this now. He's probably going to get voted out next week because of how this yeah. season has been edited and that's probably not going to surprise me either. But we said that every week in Kagayan. He's getting voted out next week. He's getting voted out next week. And he's still there. Tony is just, a, he's incredible. I can't say enough I'm, positives about Tony. I'm going to go even further than that. And I'm going to say if, if I were to redo the rankings right now without even seeing the end of the season, I might put Tony and Sarah not only both higher, but I might put both of them in my top five of all time. Because wow. just for them to be able to pull this off, it's, like, it's very rare that we've seen somebody pull off a second game coming as a winner to pull off a second game like this. And maybe part of that is because we, we rarely get a season where a winner gets to play a second time. And if they do, they're almost always like an immediate target. They are Richard Hatch, you know, or they're Tina Wesson. But there's something about the fact that they've come out and they've been so strong and they've played just similar enough that you recognize this is the Tony of old. This is the Sarah of old, but just different enough that the players don't recognize this is the Tony and Sarah of old. That, like, I think that they're absolutely brilliant. And I would probably go as far as to say this is not taking anything away from Sandra. But to me, us putting Sandra as the number one player of all time, at the time we did it, 100% agree with it. Because she was the only two-time winner. But now that we have seen this season, and you can see there is a better way to play a game a second time. Sandra was the only person on Heroes vs. Villains who was smart enough to keep her mouth shut 
and stay below the radar and let everybody else fire shots because she knew the people she was surrounding herself, especially on a villain's tribe, she was going to be surrounding herself with the most unlikable people. So as long as your tribe comes out with the win between heroes and villains, then you get to the end, you win this thing. And there is there is absolutely something brilliant to that. But that works in Heroes versus Villains. What Sarah and Tony are doing is a strategy that would work whether you are in Winners at War or you just happen playing Game Changers or anything else. And I think that's what makes them so brilliant. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm a mad Sarah fan. I think every single time I watch Sarah that, like, I just get higher and higher on her. Um, I mean, when I did my winner's mm-hmm. rankings before the season, I had her at 12. I actually had Tony at 3. Um, but, like, there's just something about Sarah. Like, I, I disliked Sarah. I, I called her one of the dumbest players of all time on Kagayan. Um, and then Game Changers completely changed me, and she just gets so much better. And she's an amazing character as well. I think Sarah just doesn't get appreciated in the character stakes. Like, her kind of, you know, the rant, like, the, let's be honest, the next top model thing was a bit silly, but I just kind of love the deadpan <laughs> that Sarah has when she's, like, doing a confessional. Like, you know, I've got my new line. It's going to be fantastic. People are going to want to buy it. Like, it's just it's just random. Like, I just love Sarah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, like... I'm looking here. So when we, we did our updated rankings, uh, what was that? Paul and I did that. Um, I can't remember where Sarah finished on our initial list, but she ended up at uh, 22nd overall. Tony still remained at third overall on our list. Um, but yeah, I'm sure they'll be changing things around. Another another one, though, that I think, and I don't know how you'd feel on this. I, I wouldn't say he would make him the best player of all time, but I definitely think it could it vault him into the top five is, is if Jeremy wins. Because yeah. I think... The beauty of Jeremy is that he actually, like, because he won Cambodia, a lot of people obviously don't talk about his Samuan Del Sur game. Now, you know I'm one of the biggest Samuan Del Sur defenders out there, but what made that, part of what made that season so great was this Josh-Jeremy battle in the middle of the season mm-hmm. and how much the viewers were completely blindsided when both of them went straight after each other and were like, fuck, who's winning this game now? And yeah. just watching them go at it, there was just such a great game by both of them. And Jeremy went out in one of the, you know, a huge blindside. Jeremy arguably was going to win that game probably had he not gone at that point. And then he comes back, really lives up to his potential in Cambodia and wins. And here he is again, final eight, playing very strongly, as you said, kind of, you know, he's got a great way about playing this game. I Yeah, I think Jeremy definitely makes it a top five finisher in the overall players if he wins this game because he'd have three mm-hmm. very solid games overall even though he only won two of them but hey like i mean we've got of the we're, we're talking we literally are talking about the only three players left in this game who have played more than once yeah. <laughs> like yeah. jeremy sarah and tony the other five are all one-time players and i'm not saying that obviously if one of those five wins they're going to have a hundred percent record uh the only winner out, or the only multiple winner, multiple season winner that would have a hundred percent record, of course, not to take away. I think there's eleven one-time winners who would still be at a hundred percent. And I'm not saying like you know if Kim wins, you know I'm probably going to say greatest of all time. She's won two from two, but it would be different wins second time around. But not to take away from Michelle, Nick, um, you know Ben, Denise, or uh, who's the other one I'm missing. Um, Kim? No, I've mentioned Kim. Anyway, not to take... I did this last week with Troy then. I forgot who was the players left in the game. Um, But it's it's different. It's different, like, with their win, uh, if they were well, to win this game. I, I mean, part of that is you look at the first half of the season and all the people who had played multiple times where it was more than their second attempt are the ones who went because they are simply bigger targets because they've been exposed more. They've been out there more. You know what type of game they'll play once. You know what they would change a second time. So it's it's very different to uh, look at a person 
who's at tribal, uh, let's, and I'm saying in terms of if I was a player looking at a person at tribal and I'm like, I saw them play before, but that could have been the edit. That could have just been, you know, uh, the way they were at that time in their life. They could be intentionally doing something different now. But then to look at another person and say, I saw them play twice. I know what it's like when they play. I know what it's like when they change their game so I can predict where they're going. So the fact that so many of these three, four-time players went so early, it was because they were so exposed. Their games were out there. Their changes they made were out there. It wasn't just their bigger targets because they'd been on TV more. These are all winners. They're not going to care about what's on TV. They're going to care about, can I predict what this person's going to do? The fact that Jeremy is... Unlike Sarah and Tony, who are playing just different enough that it's it's not as noticeable, Jeremy is playing an identical game that he played in Cambodia. And it's working. And it's working so well that he is the target every single week. And I've never felt that Jeremy was in jeopardy. Hmm. It's so weird that, you know, he's always, oh, we got to get rid of Jeremy. We got to get rid of Jeremy. He's not playing any different. And he's making it work. So, th- yeah, add him as the third person on there that if he can pull this off without really even changing his game and being the number one target, Jeremy's another one that you could say number one winner of all time now. Yeah, for sure. Um, a couple of things to talk about just with, like, this episode in general. I mean, it was the Tony show. I, I don't even know how many yeah. confessionals he ended up getting. I think somebody said it was a ridiculous amount, but I, I didn't end up seeing that list. But, I mean... <laughs> Just some of the gold we had, this whole extortion twist, um, which, you know, okay. Um, but I did love just him getting it and just being Tony, like, whoop, 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 like going on about yeah. it. Like, oh, this is so great. You, you, you're doing this back in America. You'd be arrested. And this is fantastic. And he's just so excited that he gets that final line. He's like, this I get is to be like the mobsters. <laughs> this has been playing against you. Oh man, just like just that's his thing, and then his whole situation where he's like going around trying to get coins off people is absolutely fantastic. He somehow gets them. Good on you, Tony, and then he wins immunity. <laughs> just incredible. And then the like, I for sure thought Jeremy. Like it's interesting you say you've never thought Jeremy Jeremy was in danger. I mean, again, I just played into the edit this week. I'm like, oh, Jeremy's gone this week. But then kind of when we just have this last minute show of Jeremy going, no, let's switch this up. Let's go for Sophie. Um, yeah. Just the way he played that off and then just that interaction with Jeremy where Jeremy's kind of like, man, we've got this plan. What are you doing? Um, and the beauty of this episode, can I just say as well, we had no whispering at Tribal Council to ruin I know. this gold moment before Tribal. That's what ruined was it last week or the week before when we had all this scrambling and no one knew who was going. It was going to be exciting. Then it was fucked over by the stupid scrambling at Tribal. Whereas this week, we didn't have it. And that's what makes a blind side like this. And I'm not just saying it because it was Sophie. I'm saying a blind side in general. This is what makes it great because it feels genuine. And Sophie genuinely was shocked because there wasn't this 10-hour scramble at Tribal where you don't know what's going on. So, Tony, MVP, and I'm going to join the chorus of saying this might be the single greatest one-person episode uh, in Survivor history. Yeah, it might be. Um, I, I want to go back just before I talk about Tony, just to mention the one thing, the, the fashion show thing you mentioned with Sarah. Because, yeah, it is completely ridiculous, but it, it showed how great Sarah was as a character. I, I think you sort of mentioned that. Um, that she's very seriously been like, you know, I know you never see humor out of Sarah, but she is very funny. She's just, she has a different way. I know that I'm, you know, brilliant and strong and 
beautiful, you know, but, but I'm also really good at fashion. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. And, And to see that out of Sarah, who's typically, you know, funny in like a not so obvious way to actually be obvious funny was great. And just the way that that played like before we even got into the twist, the way that that played with Tony is like, I bet you my pants could outsell your skirts any day of the week. You know, <laughs> just those two need their own TV show. Like we need a Cops R Us TV show. I don't care what the premise is. It could be them reenacting Zardoz for, you know, two hours <laughs> no. and I will watch it. <laughs> I mean, we know that would be good. With those two, it would be good. But, um, yeah, you know, before they even got into the twist, like this is the thing with Tony that if 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 Tony has been a more muted character this season, it's been by the editor's choice because that sequence at the beginning with the fashion show and everything shows that Tony's been Tony the whole time. You don't just decide to start giving confessionals like that. If we're not seeing them up until now, it's because they're like, we don't want to go too hard on Tony. Let's save it for this episode. And that man was that the right choice. I actually told Jamie I was very torn on this episode because – the twist, I think, is one of the worst twists in the history of Survivor. It is probably the single most unfair twist ever. But then how it played out made for such a brilliant episode that you could never script something to be this good. But at the same time, I'm like, well, if the twist hadn't worked out, if it hadn't been Tony, or if Tony hadn't gotten those, I would be so upset that this was the single most unfair thing that happened in the history of Survivor. So like, I hated the twist, but what it gave us was so good that I have to, in a way, like it almost felt like the way with the Outcast twist in Pearl Islands, you know? The Outcast twist is a terrible idea, and there's a reason they never did it again, but it worked in that season, and it made that season one of the greatest of all time. So you end up almost feeling conflicted, like, I don't like what they did. I don't think that that's the way the game should be played, but man, did it make for great television. I just found a very interesting stat. Tony had 18 confessionals in that episode. That is a record, an equal record, I should say, that he ties Colby in the Australian Outback finale for most (laughs) in a single episode, but the most ever in an episode, not a finale. 18. To put that into perspective, in one episode, he had more confessionals than Nick, Denise, Kim, Sophie, Wendell, Yule... Ethan, Danny, and uh, uh, Sandra have had all season. Uh- <laughs> That's like one every two minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah. That is insane. <laughs> Throughout a 40 the show. That is, that is, I mean, how many did and Natalie yet- White get in Samoa? Uh- 19? <laughs> like, wow. That is and, absolutely and yet, ridiculous. I, I don't feel overdosed on him. No. And I mean, it- I'm a huge Tony fan. You know, I could watch Tony every season all the time but it was just the right amount that i didn't walk out of the episode i walked out of the episode feeling like this is more the tony show than i've ever seen any episode be a one person show like you were saying but i didn't feel like that was too much tony i wish we'd got more out of the other people um, it was just it, it, that's how good tony is just to actually put it into perspective natalie had 15 confessionals in samoa <laughs> less Tony had more confessionals in this episode than the winner of season 19 Survivor Samoa had all season. (laughs) He accomplished more in three quarters of this episode than she did in the whole season. (laughs) Oh, wow. That, oh, just, just incredible. For old time's sake, give us one of Tony's confessionals as Tony, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) I made a promise to the man himself that I would never do it again. He told me (laughs) off. He's like, don't ever do that again, man. (laughs) This this is this is Colin Hilding as Ben Waterworth as Tony. Hey, I'm Tony. 
Was that close? Oh, oh man, I'm a police it's... officer. No, it's Tony. A... I didn't want to I'm get a the officer. <laughs> Cops are us. That's with police officers. I-, I love the bit when he got immunity and Jeff Probst is like, oh, no, Tony, two in a row. You're a dominant. He's like, oh, man, don't say that, man. Don't, don't say that, man. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, uh, big credit, I, I guess, to Ben, you know, for, for anybody who is doubting Ben, you know, when he had his uh, opening scene with Tony, where uh, was it? Tony was trying to convince him. It's like, oh, no, it was Jeremy. Sorry, not Tony. It was Jeremy. When Jeremy was trying to convince him, you know, I'm not that big of a target. And, and what was it that um, uh, Ben said? It's like, you're a bigger target than I am. You honestly think that people are more scared to go to the end with me that, than they are with that you? That was Ben. Yeah, because I love Ben. Yeah. Because that's what I love about Ben, just to interrupt you, is he kind of has some zingers this season. Ben's great. Yeah, he's, he's very quick. Like, he's a great talker. When he needs – there's times where he's definitely fallen flat on his face, but a lot of people have this season. But when he needs to, he's a great talker. But he made that argument towards Jeremy, and then we watched Tony win back-to-back immunities. Like, what target do you think Tony has on him now? Yeah. Yeah, and it's also like, like – People are looking – if Ben – and Jeremy, two very dominant physical perf- performers or, or challenge performers, are looking at each other saying, you're a bigger threat, you're a bigger threat. And then here comes Tony, you know, 45, 50-year-old Tony or whatever he is. Like, man, Tony's – he's the new shield or he's the new threat. <laughs> yeah. Can I just point out, too, that we've only got uh, – I mean, we knew this season was uh, like the oldest average season, I think, from the players itself. But uh, the youngest player left in this game is Nick, 28 uh, the youngest player. So we've only got two 20-year-olds left in this game now, Nick and, and Michelle. Um, I th- Yeah, this is kind of going back to my point, I think. like Of the eight people, like I, I would just be fine with it. Like Again, Nick and Ben, I don't think, are winning this game. Nick, Nick's just Nick. Like I, I have really nothing on Nick to say because Nick seems like a genuinely nice guy. I like Nick. I didn't like his season. I'm the only one out there who didn't. But, like, Nick is just a, such a nice, humble guy from Kentucky that you'd be fine with him winning. Ben, great character. Love he's Ben. He's a vampire. He's a, he's a vampire. <laughs> I like that little thing where it's like, people on the internet you know, thought I was a vampire. What? <laughs> I, I, I was so happy for that, too. Um, most people don't notice about him because Jamie actually has, has told me before, like, I, I'm almost unable to smile and show my teeth at the same time. Like, it's weird because I, I have a lot of teeth, but I have a very small mouth. But I have, like, super sharp vampire fangs like Nick does. So I'm watching this episode. I'm like, I'm not alone in the world. <laughs> I'm the only one. I, I, that's painful for me. Like, I have the exact same thing. And I'm constantly cutting my gums, bleeding when chewing. I'll sip a glass of water and I'm bleeding, you know? So I'm glad to see a fellow vampire on the air. <laughs> you, you burn when you go out in sunlight. Uh, you, li- you don't yeah. like garlic. Um, yeah, also... Ben's fantastic, as I said, uh, and I've I've always been a fan of Ben. Like I'm not one of these people who are like you know oh he only won because of a twist. Uh, he's got a great name too. Michelle, love like just I'm not a huge Michelle fan. I'm sort of in that same group. But again, like similar to what you said, like I'm just finding new things to really like about Michelle this season. She's she's great. Obviously, Denise, everyone loves Denise. Denise is incredible. I would be happy to see Denise win. Uh, Sarah, I've already mentioned how much I love her. Jeremy, love him. Love Kim to bits. She's my favorite, of course, that I would love to personally win. Um, And Tony. So we've got a very satisfactory final eight here. When do we, will we get a returning player from Edge uh, in the finale, do you think? Hmm. I'm thinking just because, because uh, I think Ed, uh, Edge of Extinction the previous time it, it was at the finale, but maybe because of the negative response uh, that they got with Chris, I'm thinking it's going to be one or two episodes earlier, maybe the week before. 
Right, so we've got we've got two normal episodes left before the finale. Um and, and one of them's a double, isn't it? Yeah, you're right, the penultimate is a double. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean look, I I still think Natalie's coming back from Edge. I just feel that her arc and yeah. everything is just it's still gonna be Natalie. It surprised me when Tyson came back, but um I mean Adam looks like he might quit. I don't know. <laughs> but oh, I do- hope not like if I want anybody back, I want Adam back. Like I, I didn't get to talk about that episode, but watching him, it, it like reminded me why I loved early seasons of Survivor because now it's almost like they're so focused on presenting everybody positively. I'm not talking about good versus evil. You know, nobody's worried about being a villain because that's almost cool to be the villain now but just making people like Heidi edits mm. and Adam got like a Heidi edit where I'm like you know what he's coming out of this looking like a fool but he's embracing it and he's loving it <laughs> yeah I-, I wouldn't even care that Adam has no chance of winning this I want Adam back in the game I want Adam on any season I see I I like Adam um and Mallory absolutely hates Adam can I just point that out same so... with Jamie yeah she said I don't know how many times I I heard her say, I want to squish this guy like a bug. Yep. <laughs> that was her Mallory would wording. love watching the episode together because when Adam got voted yeah. out, she's like, oh my God, I'm so happy. Um, yeah. <laughs> every single time. Shut up, Adam. Shut up, Adam. Um, I mean, I would love, obviously I'd love Danny to come back and prove my <laughs> prediction correct, but let's yeah, be honest. I had the same predictions. The same. <laughs> she's been so invisible this season, poor Danny, that uh, she's not coming back. Um, I weirdly would love to see Rob come back just because I found myself really enjoying Rob this season. Um, mm-hmm. But I also like Amber coming back with Ethan, obviously. Like, this is the thing with Edge. You've got so many people on there that you, you kind of want to see come back. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't want Tyson coming back. I don't want Sophie coming back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but that'd be the only ones that I'd probably say I don't want coming back. Wendell, yeah, sure. <laughs> I keep forgetting Wendell's there. I'm reading this. You know, oh, yeah, Wendell. <laughs> the Wendell-Michelle thing, it, it started to become a, too much, but like, I almost found it fascinating to watch because I I believe, and I'm not even, I'm not questioning, you know, people know what their personal lives are or whatever, but I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there who just assume what their personal lives are. But every time Michelle talked about being burnt by Wendell, she was saying it to another contestant, but never saying anything around him. And when she yeah. was talking to confessionals, she wouldn't say it to the confessional. And to me, you're going to be, and maybe there's one or two she did, I don't know. But to me, you're going to be a lot more comfortable when it's just the camera saying, this guy really hurt me. But yet she was always, when she was on camera saying, I want to work with him, that I believe that she was playing up their breakup to be more than it was. Agreed. That I almost feel bad for Wendell. If that is the case, I feel bad for Wendell because, but at the same time, like I thought it was hilarious to watch her and Wendell together when when she was saying this is one of the examples why I think she can't win like when she was saying uh uh you know oh I'm just giving and giving and giving to him and he's just it's all about me when she basically said okay we want to vote for you and then she's like well I'm giving and giving and he's just take take like, <laughs> it's it's that dynamic that I think would make for a really interesting the fact they did eventually start working together was great but just to see those two characters and to really have things explode if there is real conflict have it explode if not just see what the real deal is with them yeah no i agree with you i i definitely think so and this is why i think we we missed something amazing if they had brought jenna maraska back because yeah jenna and ethan (laughs) that would have been michelle and wendell i didn't even know michelle and wendell were a couple until i saw this on the screen whereas i think everyone knows about jenna and ethan so like that would have been Mm -hmm. you know a great storyline to have um 
but I guess we'll see. I, and I think I'm still on the page that I do not think somebody from Edge is winning this game. So I oh. agree with that. Or Yeah. Uh, if anybody is, it's going to be somebody who just got voted out and comes back. So let's say Jeremy goes next week or Sarah goes next week. Somebody who already has enough built up on their resume that they could win this now without doing anything else. If they get voted out and come back, there's a chance. But it's not going to be any of these people who are gone for half the game. I just want to, before we get into ranking this and listener questions, um, one thing that I haven't brought up at all this season I from memory, and I know you, Noah, and I have talked a little bit about it, the Winners at War song. Ooh. Oh, yeah. What, what's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> I do like some people uh, out there know... are re-editing old seasons. So what was it the season? <laughs> this again, I, I get blended in with the, the more recent seasons. There was one within the last couple of seasons where the girl collapsed on one of the challenges. Um and basically, somebody's like, if this was, if this season was edited like new, when she like collapses and literally passes out with her eyes rolling in the back of the head, they've dubbed in the winners at war. <laughs> <laughs> what is this song, Colin? Uh, you know, it's funny because uh, I don't know if it just became a major thing a couple of weeks ago, or if this just everybody just sort of started talking about it a couple of weeks ago. But in the exact same day. There were probably 30 messages in one group chat I have with you and Noah, and then 30 messages in another group chat I have with Rossi and Jared talking about this song. And I had no idea what anybody was talking about. So I think I asked something like, I don't know if I asked the group with you and Noah or the group with Jared and Rossi. Yeah, I'm like, what is this song? And then you brought it up to me. I looked it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was in the it was in the trailers for the show. And I thought this is just a trailer song. But I guess because this is played most oftenly at the challenges and I just I skipped the challenges for the most part. Now, I hadn't heard it. But when I watched this, I'm like, how is this part of Survivor? <laughs> you know, uh, it, 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 if you're going to do a song, why doesn't it mix with like the tribal music? Why is this actually like a, you know. A, a real modern song and was it the same song but or a different one that they were playing during the fashion show today because uh, that was like that a, was a, another song. i think that was a different one um yeah but yeah fashion and war. <laughs> is, is america's next top model the same network is that a cbs show i no i think that well no i don't think so because jamie has to watch the show on youtube which means we don't have the channel so <laughs> jamie it's probably has CW. to watch it on <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> no, she doesn't have to. She she chooses to watch it, but she has to watch it on YouTube because we don't have it on our free if network. If she channels. doesn't watch it, she will die. <laughs> yeah, this. I'm glad we haven't a heard this song in a couple of weeks. But I swear, like when Jeff announces the winner, it's gonna be like, "When is it?" <laughs> I hope that that's how he announced it. Oh, God, Jeremy yeah. Collins. <laughs> um. All right, give me give me a winner's pick. Who's who's just one winner? I know you gave me like three. Who you think? But I, I want you to just give me yeah. flat out winner's pick. Uh, I on game changers. I said that, that Sarah's game was the closest to how I always imagined I would play Survivor. So in a way, I would really love to see Sarah win. But I just can't imagine how great the story would be if Tony, the guy who should have never won once manages to win twice so I'm, I'm gonna go with tony just because i think it will make for the most epic ending of this season i'm going with tony as well because i yeah just i want to see it where are, what world are we living in where tony is a realistic shot to win this <laughs> no. and this is the thing i think i brought this up a couple of weeks ago with somebody 
And I'm like, oh, Tony said it's actually pretty good. Like, he's getting enough solid screen time. Like, he's kind of there and thereabouts. And they're like, oh, there's no way. Tony cannot win this game. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the ladder. That maybe is my funny, the funniest <laughs> moment ever in Survivor. I really hope that that makes Mario Lanza's, like, funny 115, like, yeah, part four. Yeah, I'll Because I think he just posted Tony Speaks Llama and it didn't even make the top ten of part three. So, yeah. Um, buying, renting, or binning? Oh, I'm buy it. I, I again, I hated the twist. If this twist had worked out any other way, I'd almost be willing to give up on the show. But it worked out just the right way, and and you know, Tony was the absolute right guy to have this all play out on. Yeah, agree, completely agree. Buying it. Um, I've rented like the last few weeks, but no, this is this is a buy from me. I yeah, this is a great episode. So, and plus, I mean, when you've got Tony getting 18 confessionals in one episode, like, wow, yeah. that's that's a buy. <laughs> and Noah um, Spring. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, listener questions. This is what we do now. Uh, we actually still got some listener questions, even though we didn't have a Survivor contestant. So, thank you to the same person for making up all these. Are any of these dressed your Daniel Liu? <laughs> oh, right. These are all to Daniel Liu. Uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, so, let's go through these. Paula uh, says, predictions for the winners at war cast returning in future seasons. My picks, easily, Adam, Michelle, Ben, Tyson, and Sarah as Rob Poverty, Sandra are likely retired. How about you guys? I'm thinking, just based on how far Sarah is going into this season, that she's probably going to be one of these people who is just going to be like, you know, I'm good. I'm, I don't want to push my luck any further. Sarah doesn't strike me as the type of person who would have come back for this if it hadn't been an all-winner season. Like, I think she's very proud of the game that she played when she won. Uh, you know, she came back the, the four game changers because she wanted to prove herself. And I don't see her as the type of person who would ever play again without this. So I disagree on that. But Adam is an easy lock. Michelle's an easy lock because they have improved as characters so much. Um, I don't know if anybody else would, to be honest. I I don't know if I would say I would love to see Ben come back. But uh, I think if you've won the game and then you played a winner's award, like what season is going to compare to coming back in this? I think the only reason I would go with Adam and Michelle is because they weren't really huge characters the first time around but if you're a ben who was already a huge character you won once you played on the biggest season of all time is another returning player season ever going to interest you probably not i think i agree with everything you said um i mean adam to me would be a lock just because again the character wise and adam's such a fan that you know he's going to go out there at any point and michelle too but yeah no i agree with you i think exactly what you said like sarah i i don't see her coming back just in that tyson i mean i don't think he's edited oh, has been that fantastic i i also think that too i mean he does have kids and all that sort of stuff um but he does like the attention tyson so maybe but um yeah no i think i think i'll I'll throw one more out there i think natalie might yeah i think maybe if they did like a blood versus water all stars like let's we we want to see nadia again we want to see them both play again Mm -hmm. um but yeah no i i i think that would basically be it uh karina hello karina I don't think that's one of these names that this person's made up before. So good to see a new name that they've made up. Uh, <laughs> no way Sarah or Kim are winning the season with the recent secret scene release not being shown in the episode. It could have been a brilliant segment to watch, but so obvious why it was cut. It isn't connected. The story editors are telling. So obvious Tony has the best win uh, edit the season. I, I didn't see the secret scene. I don't know if you saw the... Okay, well, no. we can't really comment on but, that one, Karina. I'm sure it was... My argument for that would be, like, is... is... <clears throat> Karina is Karina saying that they're not going to win because of some secret scene. Like yeah. the secret scene shows something that would clearly no. No, my argument to that would be 
if it's not in the show, secret scenes, yeah, they're out there, but 90% of your audience doesn't watch secret scenes. We're hosting a podcast in Survivor and we didn't watch secret scenes. So if they had included in the episode and it somehow made them look poor, I would say, yeah, they're not going to have a winner's edit with somebody looking poor. But if it was cut out of the show and just released online, it's just sort of filler entertainment. So I wouldn't think that would hurt anybody's chances. I'd agree with that. Um, Holly, Kim has proven herself. Even if she doesn't win, we can no longer say she only won because of a dumb cast. She was the only one to see through Tony and is a top 10 player of all time. Tony is the GOAT. Okay. Uh, I mean, look, I'm not going to disagree with that, Holly. <laughs> but it, it, Tony is the GOAT in terms of greatest of all time, but he's definitely not a GOAT. Yes. as it's, uh, it's And capitalized. I said earlier. Yeah, exactly. Uh, G period. O period. A period. T period. <laughs> Uh, Kim, I disagree. Uh, she's played an okay. I, I think she's played a good enough game to get this far. I have her on my people who can't win mostly because of what they've chose to show with her. And apparently in secret scenes too, there's no way she's winning with that one out there. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I don't see that many strengths in Kim's game. So I, I, I would not put her on top 10 of the season probably. Garmin, another new name. This, this person who ever sends these in, like, I'm glad you can come up with a new name every now and then. Thanks. Whoever you are. Is Jeff Probst one of those names? <laughs> Chris Dixon. Um, Tony just yeah. had the best single episode performance of all time. He wins this season, yeah. no question. The conversation of greatest of all time will be discussed. Well, I think we've already talked about that. We Garmin. covered that. Yeah, we did, but thank you. Late to the party there. Isn't Garmin a type of toilet paper? Gar- no, Garmin is a type of smartwatch. Charmin is a toilet paper. Oh, Charmin. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Nearly there. Uh, Deirdre, so Poverty used up her four tokens she got from Michelle. Episode showed she had zero. So she bought four jars of peanut butter as they cost one token. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where they all went. <laughs> I can't keep track of these tokens. No one's using them. It's just like back and forth extortion, this, that, and everything else. Like, can't they buy an idol? Like, if they're in the game? Mm-hmm. Like, Okay. Um, I like Michelle. Like, there's going like... to be something big at the end with these tokens. But up until now, yeah, it's been used for advantages and everything. I don't even know why a person would be worried about giving up their tokens if they're still in the game. They're like, you know, if I get voted out, I'm giving these things up anyways. Yeah. And now that I'm here, maybe if somebody extorts me. But they've mostly not been played for bartering. And when they have, it hasn't been large amounts. I was going to say, I like Michelle when she was kind of like, yeah, no, I use mine. Um, getting an advantage for when I go to Edge. Like so, what you yeah, bought when an I go... <laughs> advantage because you're expecting to get voted out? Like... Again, I think that that was a bad cover. She came up with a cover story, but the way that she told that cover story sounded so implausible. It's yeah. always like when these people say, "Oh yeah, my advantage of this," and they're lying about it, and it's so obvious it's a lie. To me, that's way too obvious as a lie because you're going to give up your fire tokens for if you get voted out, and everybody else knows that these advantages are all for stuff in the game, it, it wasn't plausible at all. Yeah, no, I agree. Craig Lowe, is Tony the most obvious winner at this point? He's leaps ahead of everyone in the game, still in the game with his edit. We've covered that one, Craig. Yes. Thanks. You can tell we didn't get many questions in when I literally have to read the questions that are, we've already covered when I don't usually do this. <laughs> um, Kathy, I just love Kim. What a great bonding moment in the secret. What is with this secret scene? Uh- yeah. <laughs> We gotta watch this. Apparently, we do. Like, wow. Okay, then. Um, Selma, Selma Eggs. I love her name. I'm sure it's real. What really breaks <laughs> me? What really? Hang on. What really breaks my is that Sophie thought she was a bottom tier winner. 
It's sad what people can take away from someone like Sophie winning the title of Soul Survivor, then people saying she wasn't that memorable of a winner. Well, I think we covered that, Selma, again, each to your own perspective. It's... And again, she is, the honest truth is, she is a bottom tier winner, just in that she didn't get an edit that, you know, proved her game as much as other winners, you know, who did. Like, Denise got a great edit in Philippines. Uh,. Uh, Jeremy got a great edit. You know, Sarah got a great edit. Of the people on this season, Sarah, uh, uh, Sophie did not get a great edit. So I think it's still fair to say she's a bottom tier winner as far as what was presented on screen. And we don't know everything else that went on out, out there. So same thing we covered earlier. Why are all these people asking questions we already talked about? Well, because again, I, I if I skip them, we're going to have like one question. Uh, Lou, Sophie saying that she felt like a bottom tier winner and coming out of this felt like she had her own stuff. Uh, was such a good send-off. Sad cry emoji. Okay. Uh, for Bronia, I feel like I'm being a dick to this. This person literally makes up like 30 <laughs> accounts every single week. Can I just say, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry for calling this person out. I shouldn't say this because it destroys the illusion that we get lots of listener questions. And I love these listener questions. Person doing this, I, I respect that you do this and it's great. And it gives us multiple listener questions. It's fantastic. But as soon as I post who is coming on the show, within 10 minutes... I, my phone just lights up like a Christmas tree because it's like email, ding, 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 ding. Go to my inbox. I've got 30 inboxes, Oz Network contact, and I've got Fabronia, Ruth Marie, blah, 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 blah. I just want to point out, person, like, you're very clever. You make up emails for every single person. It's fantastic. Thank you very much. But when it shows your IP address is the same for every single person, <laughs> I know it's one person making up these names. Again, love it. It's great. But if you ever want to reveal who you are, because I have my suspicions, I've looked up the IP address. I know what state in Australia you live in. (laughs) Unless you're using a VPN. Maybe you will next week. They're all going to come from, like, Ecuador next week or something like that. But (laughs) thank you. But I feel like this has been going on for years now, and I've I've hinted at it. But it's a very clever person who does it. So thank you. I remember... I remember there was an episode, I can't even remember which one I hosted, um, where <laughs> we got like three or four questions and I'm like, these all seem like they're coming from the same person. And I think I even mentioned on the episode, like, this totally is the same person as the last one. You're, you're hiding your identity. I think I even accused them of being uh, one of the contestants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this has been going on for a couple of years. You're right. Um, I mean, let's be but honest, if, if this person this didn't do this, people. we wouldn't have questions. So. Well, they could be 30 people all living in the same house and they all just, you know, are such yes. big fans. Selma Eggs is a real person. Uh. <laughs> I almost sent in a listener question because I actually found out I was the guest on this week's episode before I found out from Ben because I think I was behind in reading my messages because you'd, you'd said, okay, well, if I, you know, if we don't get a person lined up, do you think you could do it, you know, on Saturday when we're recording the other stuff? And I'm like, ah, oh, if you've got nobody else, then maybe, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't watched the episode yet, and I saw <laughs> discuss it with your two favorite co's, and I see my face on there. I'm like, better watch this episode now. <laughs> I'm covering it this week. Too bad if you didn't know, and then after the press record, and I was like, so Sophie getting voted out. Ah, oh, Ben, I haven't seen the episode. <laughs> what are you doing? My hold on, God. hold on. I'm not there yet. Uh, they're still at the challenge, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I need to watch the secret scene. Um, <laughs> Fabronia, if Sophie, oh, here we go. If Sophie hadn't announced that she had the idol as she went home, Sarah would have been. Can I just point out, sorry, person who just said Fabronia, is that a real name? Like, is that a, <laughs> is that a real name? Sounds like, 
Something the Rock would call somebody like a, a Fabronia. <laughs> yeah, you're such a Fabronia. I just I feel like they're the type of famous people called Name Fabronia. Fabronia. Um, first name Fabronia. What does the name Fabronia mean? Here we go. Names.org. Um, what type of name? Is the article written by Sally Eggs or whatever it was? <laughs> it literally says, what type of name is Fabronia? I'm not sure. Boy's name, girl's name, boy's or girl's name, last name or family name, other. I'm just going to put, I'm not sure. Other. What is the most accurate origin of the name? I'm not sure. French, English, Arabic, African, Swahili, none of the above. I'm not sure. <laughs> Survey, which of the following lists would you find most interesting? None of these. I don't know. Names to call your father, <laughs> YouTube stars, infamous criminal names, Gemstars users, baby names. None of these. I don't know. Survey, you want to view a list of what type of names? What? Fabronia names? I want to know what Fabronia is. Fabronia. Fabronia. Thanks. I, I, it doesn't even tell spell- me. It just says thanks. F-A-B-R-O-N. F-E-B-R-O-N-I-A. F- See, I can find Fabronia. Fabronia. F-A-B. No. Yeah. Fabronia. Which is a type of plant? Of t- <laughs> yes, that famous plant that keeps messaging yeah. me. <laughs> Are there any Fabronias on, uh, what's it called? Facebook? Fabronia. There's, no, if you look Fabronia, Fabronia of Nisibis, Niz- also known as Fabronia of Sabapti, was a nun in Nisibis. <laughs> Actually, there are it's plenty of, Fab- there are Fabronias on Facebook. I've got Fabronia Stephanos, Fabronia Ashraf, Fabronia Lagumbi, Fabronia Ahmad, Fabronia Phillips. Uh, from Cairo in Egypt. There we go. Oh, and Fabronia Botros lives in New Jersey. Well, like softball, home of the bears. What about Fabronia eggs? Ah, oh, that's that, that's that, the, the parental <laughs> units of this house. Sorry, yeah. Fabronia. I like. I, yeah, I'm sure you're what real. What was Fabronia's question again? Uh, something about Sophie. Uh, Sophie hadn't announced that she had the idol as she went home. Sarah would have been the only one who knew, and thus she would have been the only one looking for it after tribal. Instead, everybody knows, and there is probably going to be a free-for-all looking for the idol in the next episode. That's, that's true. Sophie called it out, but I don't know. I, I, I still could only follow half of that, but I'll yeah, take your word I, for it. <laughs> you lost me at Fabronia. All right, Ruth yeah. Marie, final one here. Um, at least that's a really oh, good old name. Ruth Marie. That's a realistic name. Uh, the extortion advantage. Where's my royalties? Lol. Just kidding. I can't believe an idea I used as one of four advantages for having someone's ability to compete in an immunity challenge was even used if their rules were slightly different. OMG. I, I, if it's your fault, then shame on you because I hate the idea of this twist. I just loved how it played out in this episode. You, but you never a, use this twist again. A lot of those advantages, Ruth Marie, there was something about like a you can live underground and watch a you know what? thing. Ruth Marie, it's your fault we had Edge of Extinction in the first place, yeah. isn't it? Probably. You I killed remember Roger you Moore. Suggesting all the way back during Worlds Apart, you suggested a season called Edge of Extinction, and look what happened. You know what? You wrote that song, didn't you? You were like, let's use a song in an episode going, yeah. ah! Thanks, Ruth Marie. I'm sure you probably know <laughs> Fabronia as well. Yeah. <laughs> Silma Eggs. Where's Granny Survivor? This person who makes up these names every single week. The best part of that is Granny Survivor. Yeah, because I, I Granny never, Survivor back. I never forget that one with I had um Dan Foley on the show, and it was basically like, 
I feel bad for one of my grandchildren. I'm going to slap them or something like that. <laughs> I made Dan Foley basically piss himself. So where where is where is the love, Granny Survivor? Have you died? Have you got coronavirus or something? Like, where are well, you? She was a granny. I mean, how many good years did she have left in her? <laughs> true. True. Hello to all our elderly listeners listening to the show <laughs> today. Uh, well, that's episode 11 of Winners at War. Uh Colin, thank you. Anything else you want to add? I don't usually do this. Usually I do a intro and outro myself on these episodes, but because it's you, I'm just going back to our normal episodes, apparently. Well, let me just plug what I have out there uh, in the upcoming week. You can listen to Total Drama Island this Monday, um, as long as I get edited on time. Cool. And we will be starting a new month. I thought we were going straight into end of the world month this week, but we're going to wait to the first Thursday of May because that stretches our schedule out a little bit more. So We're going to wait uh, until the world actually ends to release exactly. it. Exactly. And we're doing Outbreak. Can we... We're actually... Outbreak. We're doing... We've really done some crap movies this week when it comes to recapping, yeah. haven't we? Uh, <laughs> uh, but next week, uh, we hopefully will have a, a player lined up. Uh, so stay tuned again. Uh, we will post online, hopefully... Uh, after they've watched the episode, uh, so they know yeah. that they're actually <laughs> joining us this week. Elizabeth Hasselbeck. What? Uh, yes. <laughs> better watch the episode. Um, that's a joke, Selma. I wish. If we had Elizabeth on, we would have been celebrating right now. Trust me. Uh, and Colin would not be allowed on that episode, no matter what he said. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thanks for tuning in. Uh, we don't usually use quotes in Survivor episodes, but fuck it. My name is Ben, and... Ben is closing the episode! And my name is Colin uh, for Bronia. Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.